You're very welcome to this week's edition of Pricey Talks Real Life. Today's chat, I can guarantee you, is going to be out of this world. And I can tell you why it's going to be out of this world. Uh, it's a subject, first of all, that I know nothing, to very little to nothing about. And I'm glad I have a subject expert here. What we're going to talk about today is UFOs, spaceships, aliens, ETs, Area 51 in the Nevada desert. Uh, there's a lot to it. As I said, I don't know much about this, uh, but I, I know a guy that does, and his name is Chris McMurray, and he's from the Northern Ireland UFO Society. So Chris, he's going to give us his accounts of UFO sightings, of extraterrestrial, what what they are, what all the terms are. It's going to be a good chat. I hope everybody enjoys it today. So let's get it started. Chris McMurray from the Northern Ireland UFO Society. Chris, how are you? Uh, how are you doing? I'm not, too, I'm not too bad. What about yourself? I'm doing very well, Chris. I'm doing yeah, very yeah. well. Chris, uh, it's a really interesting topic this week. I have to be quite honest with you. I don't know a lot about this topic. Okay. Yep. The reason I came across uh, this was I heard you on a podcast in December. Um, it was a, a, a podcast by a guy called uh, Stephen... Stephen Gordon. Yeah. Stephen Gordon, that's yeah. his name. And I was very interested in the subject, but I didn't know much about it at all. I did a little bit of research and I found out that Ireland, the island of Ireland, has had the highest number of UFO sightings of any country in Europe in 2020. And that would equate up to Northern Ireland as well, where you have the Northern Ireland UFO Society. So to start it off and kick this off for the listeners and for myself out there, maybe educators, could you tell us first of all a little bit about what is the Northern Ireland UFO Society? Yeah, no bother. Um, so it all started back in 2013. Um, so I was between jobs at the time. Um, I was doing like a sort of work experience, just the, you know something to put in the CV uh, yep, for yep. future employment and what have you. And it was a lunch break, and there was nothing happening. You know, it was, it was in like a, a coal store. You know, you'd, you'd supply coal for heating, you know, oil supplies, all that sort of stuff. And there was, wasn't much happening that night or that afternoon and for some reason I decided you know I'm, I'm going to go online and I'm going to take a look at some of the latest UFO sightings I'll take a look at some of the like David Icke uh, yeah. you know sort of podcasts and stuff and just to but see. was this of before this was this of interest to you oh yes yeah yeah this has been an interest of mine uh, for as long as I can remember I mean um, from no age at all I can remember having a fascination with the stars and the cosmos and what have you and um, uh, yeah, I remember seeing my first satellite. Uh, you know, obviously, as a kid, you think it's a shooting star, but sure, when you look yeah. back on it, it's this small dot that you know slowly crawls across the sky. You know, so yeah. it wasn't a shooting star at that time. So the interest has always been there. But if we go back to whenever I was, you know, talking about me working in the the coal store, so I was watching this stuff online, and I thought, you know, I'll see if I can join a UFO group. So I take a look at uh, Befora, which is the British UFO. Uh, sort of association. Uh, then you've got MUFON, which is a mutual UFO network. Yeah. I took a look for some in around home, some in the Republic of Ireland, and there wasn't so much in the Republic of Ireland of any at all. But there certainly wasn't any that I could see in Northern Ireland. So I thought, you know what? Rather than join these ones, uh, why not start my own? Terms, Chris. Maybe you could explain to us well before we start talking about um, some things in general. All I'd know is Star Wars, The Twilight Zone, Battlestar Galactica, you know, movies that I've seen on yeah. the big screen or on TV yeah. and out there you're in space and there's always a battle or a conflict or something going on. 
in, in, in the world of UFOs, there are terminologies, UFOs, paranormal, flying saucers, orbs, one that's thrown out there quite a lot, yeah. extraterrestrial beings. UFOlogy is one that, yeah. that I've come across as well. So maybe could you just explain a little bit, a few of those terms? Some of the terminologies, yeah. I mean, UFO is like is the most famous one. It's uh, unidentified flying object. Uh, yeah. The problem with that term is that if anyone says UFO now, they automatically assume it's alien spaceship or extraterrestrial. Well, do you see there, is, and, and you're spot on because I that would be my assumption. If you said to me a UFO, I would imagine there's a flying saw, a spaceship outside in my garden, exactly, uh, yeah. with alien alien beings inside. That that would be the first <laughs> thing that jumped into my head. Exactly, but it, it is literal when it comes to um, you know, ufology terms. Um, it's literal. It's unidentified flying object. It's an object that's flying that can't be identified. And uh, I'd say that's the most common one that you come across. Yeah. 100%. Something that's unidentified, you just can't explain it. Exactly, yeah. Uh, a lot of the times they can be explained, but I'm sure we'll touch on that stuff uh, a little bit later on. Uh, what, what about the paranormal, and, and uh, does that come into it at all? Yeah, so when it comes to uh, dealing with UFOs and the paranormal, you, you find that these sort of groups focus specifically on one of the other. And they tend to think that the both of them can't relate or don't relate in some way. So you have people who believe in ghosts and spirits and all that sort of stuff, but won't believe in extraterrestrials. Uh, and then you've got the same on the other spectrum, uh, aliens but no ghosts yeah. and that sort of stuff. You know. Whereas uh, now UFOs, uh, you know, Northern Ireland UFO Society, we sort of recognised that they do sort of work together. So if we concentrate on the UFOs just for a moment, yeah. um, the, Ireland, the island of Ireland has seen the most... Uh, UFO sightings of any country in Europe mm-hmm. and so if we equate that to the north of Ireland where your society is obviously the north of Ireland last year has seen more sightings than any other year yeah. what would you put that down to and what are they actually seeing and and even a third question there has anybody in your organisation society or people that you've met through the society have they actually seen what what I would call flying saucers or alien type ships or are they just unidentified flying objects just objects that they can't identify yeah I mean so we'll start off with the first one so uh, well we'll go to the the members actually so the members yeah some of them have I've seen something that I can't explain now I won't say that it's um, you know UFOs or you know or extraterrestrial because I can't prove that but there are things yeah. I can't explain uh, and there have been other members that have seen things that they can't explain uh, as well, um, for example, um, so we had Ed and Patrick who went out on a watch night uh, by themselves, along with a guy called Orphan who uh, had come to us with a, a unique story. So these are nights where you actually go out looking yes, at the sky to see, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know they had seen things that they can't explain, like lights in the sky, which is the most common thing people will see, uh, you know. So and do you that. check radar paths or flight yes. paths to yeah. you know to make sure you're not looking at planes in those areas? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we do. And there was another point where myself and Patrick had went out into the Mourne Mountains in County Down, and we saw something we couldn't explain. It was an orange light way off in the distance, and it, we seen probably three of them. I can't remember. It's either three or four, and they all seemed to follow the same sort of path and then hover uh, before sort of disappearing. Now. Sometimes that is the characteristics of uh, an aircraft. Um, yeah. But this was about half two uh, in the morning and really, really stormy weather. Sure. So it got to the point where it got that stormy, we had to collapse our tent off the side of the mountain and we went to Jamie's house, who we spoke about earlier on, 
and we immediately fired up the you know the laptop and we checked the flight radar apps and there was nothing in that area at that time um that is to say the radar apps they work on a, on a sense that uh, what you would call a secondary radar so you've got a primary radar which would fire out a sound and listen for a reflection uh, yeah. and that's your primary radar that's all it gives you the secondary radar which is what flight radar works off is basically it listening for transmissions from the aircraft to say this is who i am this is how many people i've got this is where yeah. i am all that sort of stuff so unless they've got a transistor turned off in the aircraft then they won't appear in flight radar 24 so that's why we can't rule it out 100 uh, percent yeah. as an aircraft but it still remains unexplained, especially in our And weather. I'd say 99% of aircrafts must, you know, transmit just for safety reasons uh, so people I mean, know where they are. We go into the realms of the conspiracy theories in 9-11 in, in uh, America. Um, the research shows that the US Army, in order to save costs, had decided to cut the primary radars and stick, uh, stick with secondaries. And so all you had to do in the planes at that time was to switch off your transistors and you're invisible. You, you can't find them at that point. And you could do that manually, could you? You can do that manually. It can be done in the car. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. But if we go back uh, to I, the... Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just just on while we're on that, I heard yesterday, of, of uh, by total coincidence, um, I, I was listening to a radio station, a Dublin radio station, News Talk, and they did a 15-minute interview uh, about UFO sightings and they interviewed a guy called Robert Kennedy who's trying to set up a UFO virtual convention due to COVID you know for people who are interested in UFOs and sightings and it was an interesting chat we're having but during the programme a caller phoned in a guy called John no relation okay <laughs> his, name, his name is John and uh, he, he was from Limerick he said in 2003, and I mean, he spoke so credibly. He, he said in 2003, he was driving along and he saw three objects. Like what you said there. Now, he didn't say what colour they were, but he said when, when he saw them, but he, he sat, saw three objects and they hovered over his car. Now, he said they were probably two or three cars high, so they weren't high in the sky. They'd actually, at, at speed, come down to a low level. Yeah. And... What I found amazing was he spoke so credibly. He said he saw the pilot of one for about a second or a split second. Okay, yeah. And obviously the interviewer asked him, what did the pilot look like? And he said, an alien type being. You know, something that you would imagine to be, but it was quick, so it was was gone. And he said he stopped the car, parked up, and when he got out, there was nothing there. They had just shot off at speed. And I just found it fascinating. He said, he, he did say that the colour of the objects, because they were so close, he could see them, were military green. Okay. Um, to, and that's what he said. But I, I found it fascinating because it's not something I've ever experienced. Have you met people or that, that have had these experiences, that have seen? Because I know recently there was a man who said he was abducted by aliens in the north and delivered to a marina in Bangor. Yeah, yeah. Did you that, speak yeah. to him or did you hear that story? No, we, we haven't got to speak to him, uh, unfortunately. We did put it out on the page to see if anybody knows him or if he was able to read it to get in contact with us because something like that obviously needs probing a little bit further. Um, but no, the, the only person I've met who claims to have seen something uh, that they can't explain was that guy who I mentioned earlier on, Arfin. And he'd come to us and he said that he saw... Um, this creature as he was driving home from work in a, uh, on a road called the Tanyaki Road near um, uh, Points Pass in County yeah. Dan. And he says he's seen it a couple of times and he describes it in great detail. 
And it's so much so that it's it prompted them to buy a dash camera, but he obviously he hasn't seen it since. Uh, and he, he would say that it was it was quite tall, uh, slender but like a muscular sort of torso. And, so this uh, wasn't you know, a UFO. This was uh, this, this a being. This was a, what we would say uh, unknown entity. That's how okay. we would describe it. And you know his story re- remains consistent any time uh, he tells it to people. And uh, you know I. I know a little bit of basic body language. I've you know, studied it for a little while just because I could. You know, there's no real reason yeah. to. I just did. It's just something yeah. that picked my interest at the time. And there, there was nothing really to give away that I could see anyway uh, to say that you know he was making it up. Because as he spoke, uh, as he recounted the story, he would begin to tremble with fear. Yeah. And there would be a little bit of a cold sweat. Uh, um, what exactly did it? In, did he? He had an encounter, but was did he feel threatened by it, or was it just something he saw? I think it was just a shock of it, you know. And he was okay, quite scared. Okay. As, as, he, as I say, as he was coming back from work early that morning, he says the uh, I can't remember if this is the first or second time, but um, the creature ran out in front of him, sort of stopped, turned and looked at him, sort of what he would describe as a frown, and then passed through the fence and then disappeared in the field. And uh, I think he's seen it a couple of weeks after that. So myself and Patrick, we went out to uh, out to the area to investigate it. And uh, nearby there's an old rath. Now, for those who don't know what a rath is, it's like a really old, uh, I think maybe Iron Age, maybe Stone Age fort. Yeah. Uh, and they're all over the island of Ireland, you know, scattered about. And you usually find that these places are built near places where there's uh, a lot of natural ner- uh, earth energy, you know, what, what we would call ley lines. Yeah, and you find where these ley lines converge, cross over each other, you get all sorts of crazy paranormal activity, as as it would be termed, or UFO activity, and it just so happens that we find a wrath there, and we sort of we spoke to a guy called Barry Fitzgerald, who is interested in cryptozoology. That's another term for you know, okay. extraterrestrials and all that, all that sort of stuff. And he said, yes, you know, it's interesting you say that because I'm studying that and have been studying it for quite some time. And he says, and from the sort of county down area right over to Donegal, there have been reports for centuries of these sort of weird looking creatures and, you know, uh, animals, you know, farm animals would tend to disappear sometimes. So, you know, it's it's interesting. Do you you get scepticism, you know, which in general with, general people with terms as as we explained earlier my perception of a ufo is a flying saucer and aliens but that's not the case a ufo is just an unidentified flying object yeah. um when you talk tell these stories or talk to people in general do you get skepticism from people or do they just yeah engage with you or disengage no you definitely you definitely get some skepticism you get uh, people who are willing to listen you know but you know we would expect scepticism because scepticism, if you find the right balance between uh, belief or an accepting, you know, a willingness to accept it and a little bit of, you know, scepticism, uh, questioning it, uh, that's healthy. You can go too far one end of the spectrum and be like that no matter what, you're going to believe it anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, so something simple like the International Space Station crossing the sky. Uh, that's a UFO. It's clearly an alien spaceship. Well, no, it's not. You know, it's the International Space Station. Yeah. But if, for example, you're a hardcore skeptic, and even if it took like a for a UFO to come or an alien spaceship to land in their back garden and an alien come out and you know do something crazy in front of them, they might think uh, I'm hallucinating. Do you know they won't yeah. accept yeah. it. You, 
with us. In so you, co- you come across all sorts, and just that probably leads on to something that's quite interesting because I had to, I, to be quite honest with you, I had to do a bit of research for this chat, Chris, because I'm not to another subject matter specialist or even knowledgeable on this. Um, but I did come across something that you would probably be aware of because it's been in the media quite a lot recently when the US Navy released some videos last year mm-hmm. of some unidentified flying objects. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why they released the videos. Maybe you could share that with us, uh, more knowledge on it. But the videos definitely showed, I did look at them and they're widely available on YouTube. They do show something that's unidentified and is flying yeah. and is an object. Yeah, I mean, you're really asking sort of uh, two questions to that one. That could go down any rabbit hole, as we would say. Um, you know, why was it released? Uh, we don't know. Was it... The official story is that it was leaked out uh, unofficially, that it shouldn't have been released. And as a form of damage control, and to sort of get control of it again, they had to release it officially and come yeah. out honestly say, you know... Uh, and just maybe you could explain, because a lot of people wouldn't have seen these videos that are listening. What exactly... Um, what's the context that okay. we're talking about here? Yeah, the videos. So the, it's described as a Tic Tac UFO because of its shape. So if you imagine a white, you know, sort of tic-tac on a larger scale, that's how they described it. And it was a a video that was captured by U.S. Navy pilots um, on the infrared camera. And basically, there was no sign of any propulsion. There was no heat signatures. There was nothing to suggest that it was being propelled by energies or, you know, sort of means of propulsion that we know of. And it just seemed to defy gravity because as it would move... It would rotate, maybe, let's say, for argument's sake, 90 degrees, and then move yeah. in that sort of direction, you know. So it's the first time that a video like that there has been released from military archives, and the first time that they've confirmed, we actually don't know what this and is. D- this these videos uh, were quite recent. Like It's not as if they were a long time ago. I think, I think 2004, were, okay. Yeah, they were recorded in 2004, I think, and then released, you know, a few years later. And, yeah. you know, you... you we're going back to why it was released again as a form of damage control because it's been leaked. That's one reason. Another reason is uh, this ever ongoing disclosure, as people say, that it's now becoming official that they know that something's out there. You know, the elite, the governments, uh, the military, all that sort of stuff. And then other people say that it was uh, advanced U.S. you know U.S. Defense Department or Department of Defense, sorry, uh, secret aircraft. And it was leaked out, and they tried to conceal it with the UFO sort of conspiracy. Yeah. So, but there's been a lot of there's been a lot of sightings. Obviously, America is a big place, and there's been a lot of sightings across the US. And um, you, you mentioned something there. Maybe if we jump a bit ahead, if that's okay, yeah, yeah. you mentioned that um, you meant gravity. The way the machine, the the <laughs> objects were moving. It didn't look like they were being propelled like what we know through fuels or you know propulsion, propulsion. Yeah. Uh, and and looked like it was working with gravity or with the system. That leads me on to just a subject that I just can't not talk about, and I want to ask you about it if it's you know if it's okay with you. Mm-hmm. Bob Lazar, yes, Robert Lazar or Bob Lazar. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only come across documentaries on him in the last couple of days. I think I watched. Uh, a, a movie a couple of years ago about Area 51 in the Nevada, Nevada desert where he worked as a, an engineer. Yeah. And I, so I, I, I knew I was going to be talking to you today so I, I watched a, a documentary rather than a movie mm-hmm. on what his role was and what he experienced. 
And if one of the things that, well, I suppose if I explain for the listeners there, Bob Lazar was a scientist who worked um, in an area called S4 of Area 51 in the Nevada desert. And if I'm saying this correctly, interrupt whenever you want, that was a US military base Mm -hmm. where they worked on secret UFO... Secret aircraft, okay, we'll call it secret aircraft. Bob Lazar claims that he worked uh, with UFOs and there were nine UFOs in the area that he was working on and his job was to reverse engineer the technology that powered these crafts or these objects. And you mentioned gravity when we were talking about the videos that were released. He said that it was a different physics the way the machines were working. So if we accept that that's what he's doing and, you know, for for the, for this conversation, he said they worked on a force field, something to do with gravity and force field. Yeah. That was the technology that was so advanced, you know, it was something, advanced technology for us, something that we really don't understand at this time and place. And his job was to try and reverse engineer that to find out what it was. And I found that documentary fascinating because again, he came across so credible. And to cut a long story short, he didn't make a lot out of this. He said he became became public as an insurance policy so that he wouldn't be Bumped you know, taken out of it yeah. because he knew so much and because he was talking out about things um, and he wanted to come out and tell people. And that was his reason for coming out. But what, what's your thoughts on that and what's your thoughts on Bob Lazar? Have you looked into his story? Is it something that's credible in your area? Yeah, you know, that's um, I saw that documentary um, earlier, uh, late last year, sorry. And it's a really, fa- like you said, it's a really, really fascinating documentary. And again, I was watching his sort of body language, you know, he seems to be credible. And yeah, you know, I, I would tend to believe that what he's saying is true, uh, especially when it comes to how this sort of craft would work and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you said it's like a, a, a different form of physics. I would sort of argue that anything in this universe is governed by the one law of physics. You know, it's all the same laws of physics. But these, okay. if, if they exist and they're advanced technology, I think they can manipulate it. You know, there's rules to be bent, you know, that sort of stuff. I think they can sort of work their way out around uh, the limitations of physics and, you know, push them to their to their limits. Um, but with Bob Lazar, yes, he, he came out about it and obviously... Um, you know, a lot of people were obviously sceptical at the time, you know, because this crazy guy, you know, he, he says that, um, you know, he worked at S4 in Area 51, all that sort of stuff. So people started to look into it naturally, didn't they? And people yeah. couldn't find any record of anything that he said. So he, he went to a certain university that couldn't confirm that. He Once he graduated, he got a job at uh, like a... Uh, like a science uh, firm, a science company, uh, that couldn't prove that either. Until somebody said, yeah, I do recognise that name, who used to work there. And he lifted out an old telephone directory. And down the telephone directory, he saw uh, Robert Lazar and his extension number for the office. Even though that That's company right. had turned out and said, no, we, we've never had a Robert or Bob Lazar work here ever. So it seems that somebody's gone to great lengths to try and discredit him. I, I did find out. I, uh, I did. I, that was in the documentary and, and that was astounding. And a couple of things were astounding that um, one thing that I found hard to believe and he did say, and I only probably find it hard to believe because 
I've just found it shockingly hard to believe that he walked past a window and said he saw some alien extraterrestrial beings yeah. or being in a room with uh, somebody from the military. Yep. And he went to explain, look, these people are quite small um, because in the spaceships the st- on the deck where the seating is, you know, it's quite small. Yeah. He went into great detail about what he saw. He said it was for a short moment, but he did see it. And then when he related to the UFO that he was working on, he said, well, it would make sense because the height and all that. I suppose in my terms, because it, I've only started looking at this in the last few days, um, I did find that hard to to believe that there would be what's the right term aliens or extraterrestrials yeah. do you think we're alone or do you think that there is other life out there I strongly believe 100% that there is other life out there it's almost mathematically impossible for us to be alone but if you're to be an effective ufologist or a good ufologist you yeah. need to be open minded to the possibility that yeah there, there are other civilizations, uh, civilizations out there that might not be as advanced as us or they might be more advanced than us but you've yeah. also got to be open-minded to the fact that, you know, there is still that possibility that we're the only intelligent life form in the universe. But either way you look at it, it's a very scary thought. You've either got neighbours who you don't know, or you're very, very much alone in this dark, cold vacuum of space. It really is exciting when you think about it either way. You know, the the universe question wrecks my head because it's so bloody big. And it, where does it end? Where does it stop? How did it start? How did it not? It's it's It would actually wreck your head if you start getting into how big it is out there. It does. You I know. mean, you're heading into the realms of the Stephen Hawking stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, we can only see as far as our eyes, our telescopes that let us see. But there's stuff way, way, way beyond that. And it's just, a, for me personally, it's a head wrecker. Even yeah. to think beyond that. Um, so I'm sure theories. you guys think about it a lot or, you know, communicate about this stuff. I certainly do anyway. Um, and I know that I think more of the physical terms, as you know, as well, uh, like how we are third dimensional. I also think of the, the spiritual terms as well. Like the, yeah. this is where your ghosts and demons come from. Because there is one theory about uh, your ghosts, your spirits and your demons uh, that some of the spirits and demons are actually interdimensional beings. So your demons, because they're negative energy, they they resonate on a lower frequency. So you could say they're maybe like uh, two-dimensional beings. And then you've got the ones who are spirits, who are usually positive energy, and they could be on the higher dimensions, such as the fourth, fifth, sixth dimension, etc. And then sometimes the the you know the two worlds sort of get close enough together, not not quite merging, but enough to see. You'll get a glimpse into the other side uh, and vice versa you know yeah um i know it's it's a it's a fascinating subject i mean there's so much out there to look at if you start looking at those things and then of course the thing is how do you prove anything exactly. you know it's very difficult it's very difficult to prove these things but just from a conversational point of view i probably agree with you chris I, we can hardly be the only living being or the only thing in the universe exactly. I do find it hard to believe that we are the only but then again we could be because nobody can prove that we aren't exactly yeah well see the thing is there's this famous saying that is floating around I'm sure you'll find it on the internet at some point that you know for the believer no proof is necessary for the sceptic no proof is possible so it takes us back to the sceptic the UFO lands in his garden and he's like yeah. I'm hallucinating do you know what I mean um, but for some people if they are genuinely open minded and you present enough evidence to them uh, to argue the fact that you know we aren't alone and we have had visitations and we might still be having visitations from beings from afar. Um, that's a good thing. That That's what we try to do. Oh, and the obvious question when, 
again, if, if you know, if we are having visitations from um, other beings, like what is, like if we go somewhere, we land on the moon or we try and take samples from Mars or we try or, or whatever, maybe not Mars, I'm, maybe I'm not saying the right thing there, but we try and take samples from wherever they go. Mm-hmm. Um, what, 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 in what context do you think alien beings would be, what would they be looking for here? I mean, hardly just a day trip, you know, just to visit <laughs> and go. Like what, what would they, what, what, what would, in your opinion, what would they be looking for? I suppose the best way to answer that question is if we were, if we had that ability to travel, what would we be looking for? Do you know, and I'm sure they're probably looking... Well, that's what I was saying. Like we, yeah. we're probably curious because we're, you know, when we go somewhere, we look to know, is there life? Or has there has there been life, or yeah. what can we research from the soil, or whatever? So I'm sure do you think they're doing? Do you think they're doing the same stuff? I would think so. I I, I would imagine that um, you know a, a majority of them are probably out there just to explore, just because they can to see what life yeah. is like, how uh, you know on other planets, how it develops, what resources um, are on those you know sort of solar systems and you know uh, planetary bodies and all that sort of stuff. And I would imagine we would be doing the same. The only thing else with us, we would probably be trying to form colonies and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might yeah. even be tra- you know, doing the same. I mean, there's that yeah. theory that we are the remnants of uh, a very ancient uh, race of extraterrestrials who seeded this planet with life and you know, colonised it by fusing their DNA with the DNA of uh, really early man. You know, I listened to a few interviews uh, earlier on today from a couple of people who said, you know, they were they found themselves they don't know how they got there but they found themselves in an aircraft of some sort or an identified object flying object of some sort there were other people in it um, they can't remember everything exactly but telepathically brings me back to this guy to, to, to the guy in um, oh I didn't mention it but there was a guy in uh, God he was in Limerick as well funnily enough and it's going back some years, probably about 15, 20 years, but he claims that he was uh, transported onto a spaceship mm-hmm. and the spaceship telepathically, the, the people on board told him telepathically that they were 400 million light years ahead of us from an advanced point of view. I don't know if technology is the right word from an advanced point. But again, it was all done through this type of communication. Would you agree with that or do you agree with some of these stories or... What's your that seems on that? to be a common theme in a lot of these sort of uh, contact cases, isn't it? You know, I'd be very surprised if extraterrestrials landed on Earth and they were able to speak fluent English or Spanish yeah, or you yeah, know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, and they say that telepathy is sort of like a, a universal language because telepathy isn't obviously physical words that are spoken. It's based on feeling emotions. And, you know, the, the emotions, I guess, are a language as well. They're a silent language, you know. So if you can share that mentally, then, yeah, you know, I, I don't see a reason to dispute that, you know. What do you think, Chris, is, uh, for 2021, things are different, particularly for your organisation as well, with COVID and restrictions and all that. You can't maybe meet up as much as you wanted to or do things. What's your plans? What's the plans for your society for 2021? Well, the year 2020 was a bit of a write-off for us. We couldn't meet physically at all. It was all over Zoom meetings and stuff, the, you know, summer socials that we always have that had to be canned as well. So we're hoping that the year 2021 is going to be a little bit better. So we've got this vaccine, we've got, uh, you know, the R rates in certain countries are going down. So we're hoping that they'll begin to lift 
uh, restrictions. And if they do lift restrictions, then we should hopefully resume business as normal. But so you'll be back to out viewing in the yeah. evenings, just looking at the sky. Exactly. Do you follow up, a thing I meant to ask you earlier on, do you follow up, if you hear a report of a sighting, um, like the one in Bangor or in Belfast mm-hmm. or anywhere, Straban or Armagh or even down south, anywhere, do you follow up on those? Do you go try and yes. contact the people? Yes. Um, we try and follow up as many uh, on as many as we can. Um, you know, um, the best way to do it, uh, the best way to start is to do what we call sort of preliminary research or basic analysis. And you, you can find that through basic analysis, you can you, know, you can sort of explain away a lot of things that, you know, were claimed to be UFOs. For, for example, one of the recent ones, uh, Planet Venus, for example, because it's not the planet Venus isn't visible all year round. It's usually visible in you know uh, winter, early spring times at the morning and in the evenings just after sunrise yes. and before uh, sunset. And um, the International Space Station is another one. Aircraft is another one too. Uh, so you do your basic analysis, and if the basic analysis doesn't sort of write anything off as aircraft. Uh, satellites and stuff. This is where we. Uh, this is where it gets a bit interesting. This is where we want to hear yeah. from more people, and this is where yeah. you'll find us. But do these people come forward? Do you actually hear from credible people, or is it some? Is it very difficult to find people to verify stories? Most people, I, w- I would say, are credible in the sense that what they have seen, they truly believe to be unexplained. You yeah. do get the odd hoaxer, and you can always tell who's yeah. you know having a laugh at it, like you know. Um, but we do try to look at it at face value, and you know, it's the same like it's you know a bit like a a doctor or a medical. You say you've got you know something wrong with you, but you know, there's not you know even though the doctor knows, um, he has to do his analysis anyway. Yeah, this is how yeah. we this is how we sort of treat it. Yeah. So it's very it's very methodical the process that you actually go yeah. through. It is, and um, we've got the perfect team for it as well because we we've got Ed who has years of knowledge and he has so much uh, information that's been backed up and, and you know archived and you know he's our chief researcher we've got Rodney who knows how to run organizations effectively we've got uh, Janice who's uh, an expert in sort of interviewing people and we've got Johnny who is an expert in the media side of things as well so we've got a really good so you've got uh, a strong team, team there yeah. and tell tell the listeners where can people find out more about you like where if people wanted to find out more about your organisation, your society, where would they find information? Yeah, so you can find us on, uh, you can find us on YouTube, just search Northern Ireland UFO Society. Uh, you can follow us on our website, which is niufos.org. That's N-I-U-F-O-S dot org. And obviously we've got the Facebook page as well and the Twitter page. Just search for niufos. So there's plenty Northern out there. Ufos. So any listeners out there, if you want more information or if you want to contact Chris and find out more information, that's how you do it that's the information Chris McMurray I want to give a big thank you to you today for, well, thank you for having me, yeah. coming on Pricey Talks Real Life it's a really it's a fascinating subject it's an interesting subject I hope the listeners found it interesting and if you need more information contact Chris McMurray, McMurray from the Northern Ireland UFO Society thank you very much Chris thank you And it was great to hear all those stories and all your listeners if you do see anything that you 
think is a bit unusual, like a UFO, you know who to contact. Um, the Northern Ireland UFO Society. So that's it for the, the episode 10 of Pricey Talks Real Life. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you.